football, <laughs> baseball, <laughs> basketball, anything sports. Auburn's 91.1 FM WEGL presents the scoreboard with your co-hosts, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcomed at 334-844-9345 or follow them on Twitter at Jacob underscore Hillman 3 or at Bay underscore Marks. Now, let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome into the scoreboard here on Weagle 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. Jacob Hillman with you alongside Bay Marks. As always, we have survived the cold so far this week. Hope everyone in Texas and dealing with power outages, no water, are staying safe. But today we're, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to lead off with Auburn basketball following a 82-80 loss to Kentucky this past Saturday and a postponement of the Auburn-Mississippi State game, which was supposed to occur on Tuesday, got pushed back to today. which It would have happened during the showtime. But now it's postponed completely as Mississippi State can't get out of Starkville. Yeah, and just, you know, because of, I'm wearing my Auburn basketball shirt today because remembering the game that was supposed to happen. It's going to happen. It'll probably be March. March 6th. They have that open date after the last scheduled games of the regular season on that Saturday before the SEC tournament for this exact reason. Well, I shouldn't say this reason, for COVID reasons. That's what's crazy, is that Auburn's made it this far without any postponements, any cancellations, and it's a, because of an ice storm. Not even COVID. That's that's what's crazy to me. Um, But, I mean, Auburn does come off of a two-point loss in Rupp. Haven't won in Rupp since the 80s, and last year Auburn really could have and should have won in Rupp. And this year, they were really primed to win in Rupp. And even with the second half comeback, it was too little too late as they lost by two. So that puts Auburn at winning one out of their last five, which is not great. It's been an interesting streak. And, you know, you mentioned a second half comeback. And that's after leading in the first half. They were down by, I think they got down by 15 at one point in the second half after leading by six at halftime. Yeah. It was, that game, it irked me. Like, yeah. Auburn should have never been in that position to be down 15. Yeah. Because of how that first half went. JT Thor scored 24 points. Allen Flanagan scored 23. They got out of their offensive funks, but then you look elsewhere, and that's where you find the problems. And, of course, Sharif Cooper, he had 14 points, and he had eight assists. So, on that note, that's fine. But he also had six turnovers. He also didn't make it to the free throw line a single time. And, you know, you can blame whoever you want on that whether it's the referees, whether it's Sharif Cooper, whether it's Kentucky just making great plays. But you're not going to win when that happens. Yeah, and along with the fact that JT Thor and Alan Flanagan finally broke out of some offensive funks and JT Thor nearly having a double-double, something I take away from this game that Auburn definitely can improve on is more than eight points off the bench. And referencing the bench, I think me and you also jinxed the – sit whoever you want to go off this game for Bruce Pearl between Devin Cambridge and Jamal Johnson as they both combined for 10 points. Um, Which, Jamal did okay. He yeah, had, he did fine. Yeah, he had two. He was 2 for 5 from 3, 2 for 7 from the field, but he had a rebound, or he had two rebounds, an assist, and a steal. So, he contributed. He did. Um, but overall, my thing is just production coming off the bench. I mean... Jalen Williams didn't have a great game starting. I mean, he did have seven points and four rebounds and two blocks, so he was definitely known defensively. But Devin didn't really have that great of a game. And then off the bench, nobody really sticks out to you. So 
And I think Bruce kind of hits the nail on the head post game when he comes out and says, well, this has kind of become a trend for us where we have a solid first half, and then we come out flat on our feet in the second half, and we look like we have no energy. And then it takes with six or eight minutes left in the game for us to just kick into gear and finally start scoring. Yeah, it's taken at least ten minutes in the second half for the team to really get into it, like you said. And it's just you can't do that. Even especially this Kentucky team's not good. They are bad. No. Against good teams that Auburn's about to play coming up, LSU, Tennessee, Florida, Alabama, you're gonna get blown out of the gym. You are. And that's a big thing too, is just Auburn, without being in a postseason, we've talked about it, they still look like they haven't given up on the season. They want to play for something bigger. And yet it's not reflective on their record with being at five hundred overall, eleven and eleven, and being five and eight in conference, losing to Kentucky, who you've already beaten once this year. So um the the end of Auburn's regular season could really go one of two ways, like you just mentioned with the opponents Auburn still has to play. They can either finish on a high note and have some games where they do lose, but they look really good, or Auburn can come out and look very flat against all of these teams and do horrendously. I mean the good thing is it's a bunch of good teams. Yeah. So you're going to have to get up for these te- for these games. And, yeah, you could look bad against these teams, but they're good teams. So you can't really now, fault them if they lose. In a normal year, this is the perfect end-of-season schedule to My prove goodness. to put yourself in the tournament and improve your seeding. I mean, think about it. Kentucky, like you just mentioned, then you get a Mississippi State game at home, like you said, LSU and Bama on the road, and then you welcome in Florida and Tennessee. I mean, that's a heck of a final stretch to prove – Put you in the tournament if you're on the bubble, and if you are already going to be in, then improve your seating. So, I mean, that's probably a bunch of quadrant one games. Absolutely, it is. Florida, absolutely, Florida at home might not be a quadrant one, but the rest of them are, except Mississippi State. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, in any normal given year, when Auburn doesn't have a postseason ban and doesn't have a worldwide pandemic sweeping through the nation, that's a heck of a final stretch to go through. It'll be interesting to see how. Yeah, I guess scheduling will go back to normal next year. But it's just it's just it's just interesting because of like we have had cancellations in the SEC and whatnot. So they're trying to figure out because LSU was supposed to play Ole Miss on Wednesday or Tuesday because they didn't have a game. I don't know. It it's gonna be interesting because I do like the schedule at the end because Auburn can really build some confidence going into next season because you lose nobody. Right now we know we don't know if anyone leaving. Someone might transfer out. But right now, no one's scheduled to leave. Unless Sharif somehow yeah. declares or whatever. As I said, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. And a big thing, too, is this is a little off topic, but did you see today where Alabama announced for their last home game against Auburn uh, for student tickets are only doing seniors? I fear for that happening for us selfishly against Tennessee, which is this year's outlive game. It could happen. I don't think it will because the reason they do only seniors is because of the way they did their Their lottery is a little bit different. Because theirs is like it was like 40% to seniors and then 25 to juniors, and so on, so yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think that'll happen. I think that's a – I'm not going to say it's terrible, but it's not good. It's not the best way to do it. Like um, one of our friends that graduated from Helena with us, Blake Bullock, that kind of screws him. He'll find his way in. But it's still like now you have to work really hard. We're, we've obviously gone through it this year with Auburn. Like, right. Who, can See, we and I've only, I've only won two lotteries, and then I won Mississippi State, which was my third. But, of course, it's my luck to where it's – Push back and push back. I think you'll still be. Also, fine. yeah, I'll still be able to yeah. go. But uh, it's just, I don't know. We could, there's we could talk for thirty minutes about. We could. We <laughs> won't lottery and ticketing yeah. Yeah. during COVID. Thankfully, Auburn baseball and Auburn softball have decided first come first serves Which, the students. Foreshadowing. We'll get into that later. We will in the show today. Uh, big big hand on deck. Yeah, but, I, 
I know looking forward to what Auburn basketball has in store for us next year. And hey, who knows? They might surprise us at the end of the year. I don't, I think they're trending in the wrong direction, but they you have just a never chance, know. They have a chance to prove themselves. I mean, think about it. Remember in the final four years, after you that never knew. Terrible yeah. loss to Kentucky. You beat Georgia on the buzzer beater, and things turn around. Obviously, it doesn't matter if things turn around. There's no postseason play. But, but building on next you year. Still, exactly. You yeah. want to build on next year and just, you never want to end the season with four straight losses yeah. or anything like that. I said something, I think it was, I don't know if it was two weeks ago. I don't know when it was, but uh, when we were in studio a few weeks ago, I said something like, if you were going to have a year for this to happen, it'd be this year. And that's exactly why. And we everybody saw this coming. And that's exactly why. And, you know, I hate saying, oh, Auburn was going to be bad, so that's why they did the postseason ban. I think it's it's more of this year is insane. I think things just culminated very timely to be yeah, exactly. now the scenario plays out well. Exactly, because like, what scares me is the NCAA might still say, well, you weren't going to make the tournament anyway. We're going to give you another postseason which ban. Which will stink because Auburn's going to be prime next year. But, um, no, back to the point where you're making about Auburn can finish the season on a run, I mean – the chance is absolutely there, and I was going to reference like what you just said with the Final Four year. I mean, obviously Auburn has nothing to play for right now, but I mean, nothing. Th- nobody thought that year that they yeah. do what they did at the end of the season and go on that kind of run. So I mean, Aub- Auburn still has a chance. They have five games left; three of them are at home, and then you finish off against what's presumably at that time still going to be a top ten Alabama team. So my my question is: Assuming Mississippi State gets moved to March six and sent home, what do you think the record these last five games? What do you think the record for Auburn is? Two and three. I can really see all. I can see it. I see Auburn being Mississippi State and Florida, but they'll lose to LSU, Tennessee, and Bama. Yeah. Two and three. I say two and three, and I think they have a chance on Saturday. I think they do have a chance. After a week-long break, of course, it was, you know, we didn't know it was going to be a break. The team didn't know until right before the Mississippi State game was supposed to happen both times. But I could see them beating LSU just because LSU just, you never know what you're going to get with them. I'll say two and three as well. Florida and Mississippi State, but I really want to say they're going to beat LSU. I just I'm not ready to say it though. I'm biting my tongue really bad right now. You know why? Why? I just right before I came here, I looked up the times of Auburn's first pitches on Saturday or this weekend, and I looked at Saturday because oh. Richard's going to be pitching. And is that is it a three or four o'clock first pitch? It's at no, it's at two. Oh, it's at two. Okay, so baseball start for the basketball game. Yes. So and it'll they'll end at about the same time. Yeah. So that means. You'll be watching both yeah, in the stands. Yes. They'll probably put it on the Jumbotron. But you know what? It's funny because we're picking Auburn to lose to Tennessee, which mm. hasn't happened in a no, long I mean, time. Yeah. That's my argument against that. Is that you that calls it a rivalry now? It It's one. Of, it's a rivalry. I would, say, I would say two years ago and last year a little bit. I think it's a rivalry in because of the intensity of the game. It always is. Mm-hmm. It's always close except for last year at Tennessee – and the game, the SEC championship. I know Tennessee's been really up and down this year, but I can, for some reason, I can very much envision it being an ugly game when they come to Auburn Arena this year. For sure. I know it's going to be outlived, which is normally a very hyped-up game, and Auburn always plays well. I mean, last year's was Kentucky, for crying out loud. Well, but isn't Auburn undefeated in outlived games? Yes. So, hey, they, hey, hey, the first every year it was against Tennessee. It was. And, uh, I was at that game. Yeah, that was Bryce Brown's freshman year. It was. Auburn was terrible. Simeon Bowers was our <laughs> point guard. Hey. Well, and hey, Kareem Canty. We're ready. War ready. ready, yeah, war ready. The, the old War Tampa team that kind of took Auburn fans by storm last summer because you didn't get COVID, to see nothing else happened. COVID. They have rebranded as War Ready for, it's, and I think that, it's all Auburn it's players. Eagle. It's not going to be all Auburn players, but it's at least eight alumni. And right okay. now on the team is Deshaun Murray, Laron Smith, 
uh, Malik Dunbar, Danielle Purifoy, and, and yesterday Simeon announced Bowers. Simeon Bowers. Yeah. Imagine Simeon and Malik on the floor at the same time. Dude. I can't wait to see that. I know. I, I'm so heartbroken because last year it was super hyped up too. I'm like, man, like this can be fun, like Bryce Brown and everything. But then it was just like the coaches were terrible. They were, they and were they bad. got fired. So yeah, <laughs> we, we've, we've, we're, we're gonna see a new war ready team this year. And it, like I said, it's gonna be more all because it was three guys last year: Bryce, Deshaun, TJ doesn't, doesn't. Laron was horse on the team too. Yes. Okay, so it was four guys, and I think Laron was actually hurt for the game. So yeah, he didn't even play. Yeah, he was on the team, but he was hurt. So this coming up year. It's gonna be so much better, I think. Yeah, but uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna look positively towards. I didn't that. even think about that us being undefeated in outlive games. I think this is the year that the streak ends. Yeah, but, I do too. Um, and who knows? Maybe Tennessee will go on a downfall and we'll change our minds before then. Well, I mean, like I just mentioned, they're so up and down, but I mean, they also have the potential to be a top ten team, which I mean, they're ranked 19th right now. So I mean, hey, the SEC full of parity. We said it a few weeks ago, and it's still true. It is. SEC basketball is not meant for the fate of heart. Next year, though. That's what I'm looking for. Next year, Auburn's going to run the tables. All right, I'm kidding. We're, we're, we won't make any way too early predictions. On the other side of this break, we're going to move into NBA action. It's been crazy lately in the NBA, and we'll talk about it here on the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM or WeagleFM.com. Thank you for tuning into the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. And we're back. It's the scoreboard on WGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming live to Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you to the program. Shout out, Dad. Told me he was going to be listening in today, so shout out to him. I think he's listening from work. I think he's working from home today, regardless. <laughs> Appreciate the listen, voice of the Huskies. Getting into the NBA segment of the hour. Oh, man, the NBA's been, it's been kind of strange. James Harden's been carrying the team on his back with KD and Kyrie out. The Utah De- Jazz just decided to not lose. Yeah. And now here we are, are approaching an all-star break. Yeah, I mean, I really don't know what to what to think after this all-star break where this where the season's going to head with, you know, specifically the Jazz because like you said, they have decided they don't want to lose nine in a row. And I think it's what's the It's 20 of their last 21. Yeah, that's yeah, ridiculous. So I you would think ball of averages, but maybe they are just as good. But you would think law of averages because I don't think they are this good. They'll they'll fall back and the Lakers will take the lead in the Western Conference. But you never know. Yeah, I mean they've had some they've had some quality wins. I mean they've been beating teams like the Clippers. They've been te- beating teams like the Bucks and the Seventy Sixers. Them handedly. They're scoring highly too. Yeah, they're a very high scoring team. I mean one fourteen and ninety six over the Clippers. That's pretty good. Rudy Gobert had a 20-20 game. I, I did not realize that. I didn't hear about that either. 23 points, 20 rebounds. I would have heard about that if Center wasn't posting funny sports moments that we've seen 12 times in the past right. year. Anyway, we, that's another segment we could go on for 30 minutes about. <laughs> we, how, we, how bad, we could really go on The ESPN that. and SportsCenter Instagram and Twitter accounts suck. They they're, are the they're worst. They're bad. But, I mean, just looking at the box score from last night against the Clippers, this is a, this is a championship team. It is. And both of them. We'll see how that goes whenever we get down the stretch because the Lakers aren't, they're two games back. So they're right there. And all it's going to take is them just to keep winning. And I expect that to happen with the Lakers. The Jazz, though, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I think a big thing is also remember how Utah went out of the playoffs last year? I mean, I think that's a big fire under their rear end this year. I mean, 
that's a that's a tough way to go out. I mean, a few teams went out pretty toughly last year in the bubble, and they were one of them. And I think I think the core guys that that really felt that hard are they're they're true leaders on this team. That I mean, they're they're saying like, hey guys, like remember what happened last year? It's like let's not repeat that. So I mean, Donovan Mitchell, he's yeah. playing good. I think. Well, I have a theory about that. Do you okay. remember how Shaq? I think it was a week or two, maybe two or three weeks ago, made the comment about like him not being like great. He's like, you're good, but you're not like mm-hmm. great. And he just said at the interview, he's like, okay, he's like, it's all I need to hear. He's like, yeah. I appreciate that. And I got off the headset and like they're like, like Shaq or Shaq, you almost like messed up or something. He's like, no, he's like, he's not that great. And Spy Dad's been doing great. Dude, he's so good. I mean, here's his last ten games: twenty five point six points per game. He's only averaging two point seven turnovers per game. He has a steal per game. 5.6 assists per game, 4.4 rebounds per game. He's shooting 38% from three and 42% from the field. Sleeper MVP? He Maybe. would have to go on a tear. I mean, he's it. kind of – him and Rudy are kind of carrying this team. I think that's the issue. They're both so good together that they can't really get an MVP. Yeah. Like, Jokic, Embiid, obviously LeBron, Giannis, they're all kind of the one – and not going to say LeBron's the one guy in LA, but Anthony Davis has been hurt. So, all those four guys are kind of alone – it's easy for them to get those MVP votes, whereas for these two guys, that's difficult. Right. Because they kind of steal points from each other. Not, I say that, but like, in a good way, they steal points from each other. Um, This is completely off topic, but speaking about MVP, did you see where they were talking about Julius Randle having an MVP candidacy after his performance the other night? Well, after he dropped 40 points on the Hawks, uh, <laughs> I, I'm okay Sorry, with I, it. I forgot that was a I'm okay sore subject it. for you. No, I, that's <laughs> hilarious. Randle's played great. Yeah, he has. Randall's played great. Out of nowhere. I mean, would you you could consider him comeback player of the year. He it's not like I don't Did he know. Did get injured last year though? Is that the only way you win that? Because I, I feel like you play, win comeback player of the year. What that'd know, be what, more of like a breakout player that's of the year. Saying. Yeah. But yeah, he's not where near an MVP candidate. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just hilarious. Because he did he scored twenty five last night against he's averaging twenty three point two points per game. He's averaging a double double this year. Ten point nine rebounds per game, five point five assists. The stats are there if he had if he was up to like thirty points per game, right? But no, he's not an MVP candidate. <laughs> That's just hilarious. It is funny. <laughs> well, I mean, look, the Knicks are fourteen and sixteen. I mean, granted, they're only five and a half games back out of first, but I mean, That's the, the East for you, baby. Yeah, they're they're in the playoff picture. So, and then you have Brooklyn, who's been. Oh my gosh, did you see? Uh, was it last night? No, it wasn't last night. It was two nights ago, I believe. Uh, the Suns. When we were out in the living room, our apartment, they had that huge lead against they Brooklyn. Blew it. Yeah, they blew it to James <laughs> Harden without K- Katie and Kyrie on the James floor. James Harden is ridiculous. James th- Harden is fat. I think yes, he is. <laughs> I think some people were talking about it. It's like I cannot believe the Rockets actually gave Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving like James Edward Harden the third, <laughs> whatever his full name is, because it's like this guy is so ridiculous. Well, I mean, good. he doesn't even have to score to be good. No, and he's running the point now. Like that, Kyrie's he, literally came out and said, he's like, no, like he's going to run. I'm going to be a shooting he's guard. He's averaging like 12 assists per game. Okay, so the score was 128 to 124. We right? didn't have like a 97% chance to win. Yeah, it was something like ridiculous. I mean, like they had like a. It was like 97% at the end of the third quarter. I'm trying to think how, of how lar- large the lead was, but. Um, Oh, dude, this is kind of interesting. James Harden, while having 38 points, 11 assists, and 7 rebounds, you know what his plus-minus was? Oh, my goodness. Plus, been, plus zero. Really? Yeah. That's that defense read from James Harden. Yeah, but uh, no, and that that was a big thing was, I mean, Phoenix has been one of the best, better teams in the West this year, and then for them to blow that lead was kind of mind-boggling. But, yeah, I agree. Because, um, I like, 
I really like the Suns. I think I might have said I do, it, too. I might have said it last week, or I might have said it We were talking about eight person. I'm pulling if it's not the Hawks, I'm pulling for the Suns. Yeah. That's my team. We we were talking about how we really liked the blossoming of DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. And him being paired with Booker and Chris Paul was really nice. Um but yeah. And you even got Michael Bridges. I think I like their He's a great role player. I think I like their uniforms a little bit better than their team, but Hey, I mean that's a hey, that's a reason to like a team. Yeah. They might need a logo change, but Yeah. But I yeah, don't know. That's fine. I think a lot of people are kind of pulling for the Suns this year. I mean, they're kind of the Cinderella story. So far, I would agree. Unless you consider the Jazz, but they were like a four seed last year, so not really a Cinderella. They're just that's just that's just a team that's mad. You could also consider any East team other than the Sixers, Celtics, and Nets. Bucks and Nets. Okay, so you can consider like half of the East playoffs a Cinderella. Yeah. The Knicks. I say that, but the Raptors are up there too. But but no, the Knicks, the Hawks, all those teams are Cinderellas, but this is the Cinderella team that has a chance. <laughs> Speaking of Brooklyn, though, they do face off against LeBron tonight and Saturday, I believe, because they're doing that like two-game deal. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's really the big talk on the NBA. They'll face off tonight on TNT at 9 p.m. God's time. Uh, Los Angeles is a three-point favorite, so I think tonight's going to be a huge matchup on TV. Yeah, it's, I don't. It will. KD or Kyrie be back? Uh, let's check. It says Kyrie will be back. So yeah, Kevin Durant's going to be out, but that's Kyrie big. should be back. That's big to have both of them back if you're the Nets. Do I think they'll get the pull this one out? No, and I think it's going to be kind of like this is going to be one of those games that everyone re- overreacts to. Whatever we get to the play all the time, it's like, well, remember when the Lakers beat them by 10 points? Right. That doesn't matter. They didn't have KD. Well, and, and Anthony Davis will be out this so matchup. That, that, that's equal. Yeah. But I still I don't think this should even – this is, does not determine anything in the future. I think this is just a cool measuring stick. It is, for now. It's yeah, for a great now. measure for where each team is at. And yeah. I think that this is big for the Lakers. Because you're two games back, you need to win every game you can because it doesn't seem like the Jazz are going to slow down. No, and I mean, I agree, and the Clippers are always going to be right there on your tail because they've, they've been playing solid this year as well. So I, I think right now this is just a good this is just a good assessment to see where you are, especially against this new Brooklyn team now exactly without KD. That's kind of harder to tell, but um, it's a potential finals preview, which is why it's yes, such a it big, is. big matchup. So I'm still on the train that the Lakers need to get the one seed because they cannot face the Clippers in no. the semifinals. I think they well, could you argue they'd rather face them than the Jazz? Well, the, if this, the Jazz that's were to the slip? issue, the issue is they're, they're going to have to face. Assuming the higher seed wins, they're going to face both of them. Yeah, and that's so. the main concern because I think if the if the Clippers and the Lakers face each other in the semifinals. Anyone from the West can make it. Yeah. Now, will they? I would probably still pick the Lakers, but I will not be confident in that pick. No, because I, I really either. think that the the Suns, the Spurs, the Warriors, if they really get hot, I think any of them could beat a Lakers team coming off a big, like a seven-game series against the Clippers. No, I agree. And I mean, and there's also those teams that have the potential to make a push to get into the playoff that you think can make a run with them, like Dallas. I mean, for sure. That's been kind of a frustrating organization yeah, this year. Yeah, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense how they just can't win consistently. It's like, uh, what did Lucas said this like a month ago or something about? That's like thing. he said we don't want to be here. Everyone's talking about how Lucas frustrated, and I don't see him it's leaving just, Dallas anytime soon. No, I think it's just a young player that's been used to winning and being in the playoffs last year and having that big three mm-hmm. and being just kind of a younger face at the NBA. I think he's just frustrated when because he's not you know succeeding. 
Well, yeah, he was also, before the year, I think a lot of people picked him to win the MVP, and he's really not even in the race now. No, yeah. Because, and part of that is because of how well other guys are playing. Because, I mean, it's not like Lucas playing bad or anything. Lucas still the leading point scorer with 29.1 points per game, grabbing 8.6 rebounds, and getting 9.4 assists. He's almost averaging a triple-double. Right. That's MVP numbers, but his team isn't doing well enough. He's also averaging a steal per game. So. I think he's averaging the numbers. His team isn't winning enough. And he's not getting a ton of help from Porzingis, who gets injured half the time. I think it's time to kind of start thinking about trading the unicorn. I think so, too. Or I, looking at I can get behind draft that. options for a new center or well, something. point guard, too. I mean, their point guard is Jalen Brunson, who's young. So you don't want to just abandon him. But I think he also has trade value. Yeah, and I mean, you got to think about it too, like, Luca's kind of handling the ball more than him, anyways. I mean, yeah. So you could probably deal for just a shooting guard. Yeah, point guard. Listed. You could probably deal for a shooting guard or a shooting forward. Hey, but you know what's funny? What? Someone, uh, I was talking to Jacob Graydon last night. He was talking about how, you know who would be a good fit for the Mavericks? Who? Sharif Cooper. Hey. It would be. They don't have a first round pick this year. So, hey, maybe Sharif stays and he hey. gets his perfect fit. I was about to say, it's not like he's going to get drafted this year, anyways. I know you think so, but I don't. Yeah, that's a whole. We well, can argue about yeah. that again at, off the air. <laughs> but no, that's like, that's actually kind of a cool comparison, though. It is. I really think that. I mean, like you said, it's it's Brunson and Trey Burke, and both of them are. They feel like role players. Yeah, they're not. They're not a solid starter. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like they're role players that have trade value. That I'm just Mavericks can get stuff for. I'm just more behind the. I think. I think your first move, if you're in the Dallas front office, is dealing out Porzingis. Because you're going to get a lot for him. You, I was about to say, you get a lot more trade value for him, or you can deal him for draft picks and develop a young center that could go with Luka for a while and build a core. Well, it's just because like, I also feel like he's such a risk. He, well, and in New York, he didn't really have a ton of injuries besides one towards his end of his tenure major, there. Yeah. And then he came to Dallas, was reportedly healthy, and now he's been suffering injury over injury over injury. And it's just at the point where it's like, is it even worth paying him just to get injured anymore yeah. but especially when how old is Porzingis he's young he might be 25 because he he came in the league in like 2016 he is 25 wow yeah I thought he was I thought he was gonna be like in his late 20s no he's very young and that's why I'm thinking do it now you still get a little bit of value from him, even if a team's like oh, I don't like the injuries yeah. they'll still be like he's young he can recover and, and somebody will take that really that pick it up right oh man that's the state of the NBA. A lot go- There's a lot going on. Listen, I used to hate the NBA regular season. I think this regular season is one of the better ones in a long time. I just wish there was a little more defense. You know me. That's, I know. You I, talk about that every time. Am. You walk out of your room and look at that 100 points, there needs to be more no defense. defense. <laughs> <laughs> every time. We'll be back. This is Scoreboard. Other side of the break, WGL 91.1. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Welcome back into the scoreboard here on Weagle 91.1 FM or WeagleFM.com. Remember, if you missed the first part of the show or you want to go back and listen, we will be uploading the podcast, the transistor, which will send it out to Spotify and iTunes. Jacob Hillman here with you. Bay Marks by my side. And the NFL, it might change a lot this, this offseason. And specifically to two Houston players, J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson. Obviously, J.J. Watt has already been released from the Houston Texans. And 
Deshaun Watson. He wants to get out of Houston as soon as possible. We'll see if Deshaun Watson gets his ideal landing spot. Obviously, there's a lot of talks about where he could go. I'm not going to speculate on where. But now we have joining us Daniel from Helena. Daniel, how are you doing today? Here do, we go oh wait, again. here, I got him. Now try it. Daniel, you there? I'm here. There good. Go. How are you doing him. today? <laughs> doing pretty good. How are you guys? Good. Get into NFL free agency. You got anything you want to say about that, Daniel? Well, um, I haven't been paying attention because I don't want to get my hopes up because the future for me in the NFL is very dark at the moment. That is true. The Saints are not it in a good spot money Darkest wise. it's probably ever been. No money, no quarterback plan. It, it's going to get ugly. Do, do, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my thought was the no quarterback plan. I mean, I think Janus Winston's a solid option for a year or two, but I think you want to have someone in there that can develop behind him until Janus right. kind of runs his course. Yeah, I'm I'm really not looking forward to it. I mean, I don't, I don't even think it's possible, but, I mean, like, Deshaun to the Saints? I mean, think about it. I mean, I think Cam Jordan tried to recruit J.J. Watt, so why not go for Deshaun Watson? I'd be all for that. But I mean, I'm, I think I think everyone in the league would be okay with getting Deshaun Watson, other than the Chiefs and Bucks and teams with solidified great starters. As a Panthers fan, bring him back to the Carolinas where he played his college ball, please. I would love that. The issue is, I don't know what we'd give up. But yeah, you'd probably have to give up Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, did, I don't you, know. yeah. You did you call in for NFL free agency? I did. All right. What? So, what is your? What is the biggest need for the Saints, Daniel? The quarterback. Quarterback. Other than that, because that's kind of a dream at this point. Um. I mean, I would be happy with seeing them get a big defensive name, because I mean, on the offense, you still have Kamara. We still have a somewhat decent line for the time being. Um. I think the Michael Thomas situation is going to work out, but with defense, like Cam Jordan's aging, we had. Trey Hendrickson had a breakout year. The linebacker core and the defensive back core, however, they, they struggled a lot. So I'd like to see him get a good DB. I'm not really sure of any like, good names like of defensive back free agents, but that would be my priority. Yeah, I almost feel like the best chance for the Saints to really build things up is in the draft. It's going to be mm-hmm. difficult. You think that – well, it's hard to interrupt, but I know yeah. you're talking about a quarterback a minute ago. Am I crazy to suggest trading a few current players up in the draft so you can get some draft picks and try and gra- draft like a a quarterback or something like Daniel's talking about like a good a good secondary player in the defense? I think that'd be a good idea. I mean, I I think it's what we're going to have to do. Would you be willing to trade one of those <clears throat> offensive weapons that you mentioned or somebody on defense like like a Marshawn Lattimore, like a Cam Thomas or something like that to to move up in the draft and get some kind of quarterback in the first or second round or something? I, I would, because in today's NFL, it's really all about the quarterback. Like, you can't go anywhere if you don't have a good quarterback. That, um, yeah. Which, Drew Brees has been carrying this team. Like, for recently, the teams have been pretty good, but that team he carried to the Super Bowl was not a Super Bowl team. No. It's almost like y'all could have traded for a quarterback that has been on a successful team before, like, what happened today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I'm looking at this this ESPN Plus article that's kind of listing out all the teams and how free agency might go. 
and Saints projected salary cap space minus $63.6 million. And then prominent free agents, Marcus Williams, Trey Hendrickson, Jared Cook, Sheldon Rankins, and then potential cut candidates. These are guys you can cut and save some money. Quan Alexander would save $13.4 million. Emmanuel Sanders would save $4 million. Malcolm Brown would save $5 million. Janoris Jenkins would save $5.8 million. And Patrick Robinson saves $2.6 million. So out of those guys, who would you cut to get rid of the to get the money back? Because you need any kind of money you can get right now. Quan. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, would that I mean that I think that's the smartest thing because yeah, Quan Alexander, he's decent, but the money you save from cutting him, I think would be worth cutting him. I agree. And I know Tyreek Hill is really hard to guard, but I just have that memory etched in my mind of when we played the Chiefs in the regular season, him letting Tyree blow right by the field of the game. So, yeah, that's true. Well, to, to make you feel better, not a lot of people are going to stop Tyree Kill, <laughs> so don't don't beat yourself up over that. Only Winfield yeah. will with his peace signs. Yeah, technically. <laughs> but, uh, Daniel, you got, got anything else to add? I do not. All I'm right. just going to hope and pray that this team can figure something out and be watchful again in 10 years. All right, thank you for calling in as always, Dan. You have a good one. Thank you for having me. You guys have a good day, too. Daniel from Lena calling in. Thank you very much. But, yeah, back on the J.J. Watt and hey man, Deshaun Watson. They're talking about him going back to Wisconsin. That's what my – okay, that's what I've been thinking about. He's going to the Browns. Stop. I okay, know. no, we was that you? I talked – no, it was Carter. I talked to Carter about this the other day because, think about it, Miles Garrett, number one overall pick yeah. on one side who's been flourishing lately – and then him on the other side, they don't have another defensive end outside of Miles Garrett, really. Yeah. That has that capability to play the way he has. So, and now that JJ's healthy and he's, you know, he's not in his prime, but he's playing good football, I could see that happening. But I'm going to be selfish and say he goes to the Packers now if he does. Packers have Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, the Smith brothers. You got to give up one of them. Obviously, it's going to be Preston Smith. Hasn't played as well as Zadarius. Zadarius has been a pro bowler. Um, Zedarius has a few good years left on him. I think him and J.J. Watt together would make a great defensive front. Um, I don't know. That's just me selfishly. You, have, you still have Kenny Clark up the middle, especially if you want to play a 3-4, so you don't have to worry about the tackle position. I would go after J.J. Watt. I don't know what I would trade for him. Or no, he's a free agent. Never mind. You don't have to trade for yeah, him. Yeah, you don't. I'm an idiot. <laughs> but um, I'd go after him, honestly. They just have, Now, the, the question is, what kind of cap space does Green Bay have? I was reading an article, and I think – they're going to have to wait and make a little bit more cap room to give him something that can compete with other franchises. Probably. So um, that's going to suck. And, you know, you mentioned no one outside of Miles Garrett. Olivier Vernon on the opposite side of Miles Garrett, he has been solid, but, like, that's the thing. is like you say no one, I agree. Like, he's not a big name. It's Compared not, to J.J. Watt. Yeah, he doesn't make yeah. as much noise. He did have nine sacks in 2020. He didn't play in the playoffs because of an injury. But I think it would be a great compliment. I think he'd be a great compliment to J.J. Watt. You could also, if you're the Browns, trade Olivier Vernon for offensive linemen or draft pick that you use for an offensive lineman. Do something like that to help out the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Because Baker Mayfield, still not sold on him, but I'm also not going to – I don't – I'm not – You're not going to abandon the thought yeah, of him being a good quarterback. Exactly, because I think that injuries last year with Odell, Nick Chubb was out for a lot of the year – you, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know at this point. I so, would invest in another O-lineman for them if you don't do J.J. Watt. Another O-lineman for them, and then some secondary on defense maybe. 
on offense, I think you're kind of set besides the other line. But that's just me. I agree. I like Cody as Parker. long as everyone stays healthy. Yeah, health is the issue, but it um, really was for the Browns last year. Being That's being selfish, I'd rather JJ go to Green Bay. Now another place would, which would be really interesting, or two places I'll mention. First is Arizona. Yeah, People are talking about Arizona. Team up with Nuke. Second, Pittsburgh. Yes, go play and join his little brother. I just, uh, I don't know. It's hard. It there's there's really no other than the Browns. There hasn't really been any kind of reports about it. It's just been like speculation. Like I think he, I think JJ is actually taking a good long look around is. the league because well, he understands that this is like a big deal. Fortunate for him, like free agency hasn't technically started, but it has for him because he was released and everything. So he's he's in a good spot where he can get ahead of the curve, get ahead of everyone else. So they could prioritize. Uh, that was weird. Prioritize, prioritize <laughs> him first, and then before free agency begins, like you were mentioning, but. Um, I think he understands how impactful this move could be. This could, this could make somebody a big Super Bowl. It really could, there. and that's why I think the Browns are a great, great, uh, a great landing spot for him. Because I think the Packers are. He doesn't. I know you do, Bay. Dude, we did do. not get any kind of push in the NFC Championship. I know you do. The Packers are the number two team for me. Okay, of him I'll signing, take that. Or him, of him signing, I think the Browns is just like literally like him going on the opposite side of young Miles Garrett is kind of what he's looking for because throughout his career he had Davion Clowney. But that never, leaving, yeah. that never really worked worked up for him. So that's why I really like them is because it's not all the pressure on him to make all the noise in the world. And I don't know, it just seems like a good fit for him. Just a great I don't city. discredit that. Yeah. So Cleveland, they're on the rise. I don't dislike that. That's the thing. It Cleveland is so due. Yeah. They are so due. And they have all this young star power. And I think he understands that. And he's, what, 30, maybe? Yeah, he's about that. Yeah, so he's around that age. So I think he understands. He's like, you know what? I can go here and really push this team over the edge. And we can go get the Lombardi. That's the whole point. So. Is putting a team over the edge. Because he's not going to turn. Now, hey. He's going to turn some bad teams. I will say this, though. Team. I think one team he or one thing he is looking into, and bear with me, is who, what the offense looks like. Yeah. Because. He's understood being in Houston where the defense gets let down, but then you look over the offense and they're not doing anything either. So what's more frustrating than that is going to a defense where you're putting up a brick wall and you're producing, and then on the other side of the ball, nothing's happening. I think he'd rather go to a team with the worst defense because he can go in and lead and really motivate the team and get them to play up. Because offense, you don't have as much power there. He could. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. On the other side of this break, We're talking about Auburn baseball opening weekend against Presbyterian College coming up tomorrow at 4 p.m. Bay and I will preview it right here on Weagle 91.1 FM. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can listen to us live every Thursday at 4 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Final segment on the scoreboard, WGL 91.1 FM, or if you're streaming on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you. Last 15 minutes of the show, if you want to call in, 334-844-9345, 334-844-WEAGLE, Bay Marks, and Jacob Hill. We're going to get into some Auburn baseball, opening the season tomorrow at Plainsman Park in Auburn, Alabama, against Presbyterian College. Auburn has faced them seven times in their history, has won five times, lost twice, biggest <laughs> this is insane. I told Jacob this in the break. <laughs> Biggest lar- or largest, I should say, large margin of victory was 18 to 2 nine years ago at Plainsman Park. So definitely somebody who Auburn has had their number, but uh, not not a lot to look forward to with this this team. Yeah, I have to expect it'll be 
uh, a sweep for Auburn. If it's not, unless Presbyterian comes out of nowhere, they went 2-14 and 14 in the COVID-shortened season. That's an issue. And I, I can see the probable starters for Presbyterian. Eric Miles, who went 1-1 one one last year, 4.15 ERA. For Saturday, it'll be left-hander Charlie McDowell making his first collegiate start. And on Sunday, it'll be right-hander Duncan Howard making his first collegiate start, which Mason Barnett will also be making his first collegiate start for Auburn on Sunday. Richard Fitz on Saturday. Cody Greenhill on Friday for the Tigers. Yeah. I think a big thing will, A, note that Jack Owen will not be pitching. Um, he was going to be the probable number one guy after Tanner Burns got drafted in the first round last year. So Jack Owen is out. What Dislocated his middle finger. Yeah. What's his timeline looking like? Probably four to six weeks. I guess SEC play is when he'd come back. So, so. he is he has some time to recover. But um, Well, yeah, that's the thing. is It sucks that he doesn't get because after not playing the second half of the season, he has to wait another half of the season. So, But, uh, no, Cody Greenhill, another veteran pitcher, the closer is going to be coming in to a starter role this year, which really kind of leaves the closer role up in the air. Uh, so I guess we'll probably see this weekend who that might be for this year. But then you have well, Richard. Mason Barnett's the closer. But right now he's a starter on Sunday because yeah. Coach Thompson talks Until about he it. comes back. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, for now, it's who knows. Yeah. Um, but then on Saturday, you have our high school buddy, Richard Fitz. Uh, saw Fitz Saturday night at Hamilton's. It was Valentine's. He was taking his girlfriend out, as I was mine. Um, so, always good to see Richard, a good friend of ours. And he will get the start Saturday. Richard has been tabbed as the number nine overall prospect in the 2021 MLB draft. So, Helena product. Got once in 205. Once, once again, another honor today, named to the Golden Spikes Award watch list. Four years in a row. The only other team to do that in the SEC being a pitcher is LSU. So. Yeah. And Auburn's still projected to finish sixth in the West, so and, who knows? And I will say, it, a lot of that has to do with just Auburn's had a solidified sat, or Friday guy for half a decade with yeah. Casey, Casey Mize and Tanner Burns, Keegan Thompson before them. So Yeah. Auburn has definitely built the culture of having a Great good pitching. starting pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think... I think Auburn is very under the radar this year. Um, I think last year Absolutely. after the after the Omaha appearance, I think a lot of people are letting him finish like even like fourth or fifth in the West. Well, just because, well, I'll put this out there: the SEC you really can't tell. You might know who some of the bottom tier teams are, but you really can't tell because year in and year out, it's just a competitive deal. Right. But even after the Omaha appearance last year, a lot wasn't expected out of Auburn. Now I'll give it to him: Auburn really didn't start out well. Lost to UCF, I believe, at home, and it wasn't pretty. But that's a good team. Um, but Auburn really didn't look that polished. I think this year, this is probably the most talented team Bruce Thompson has had since being at Auburn. Yeah. I mean, I really do. Well, His veterans like Judd Ward, Stephen Williams, Rankin Woolley, uh, Jack Owen, and Cody Greenhill with Fitz in that class. Think about it. All those guys you just made, named were in Omaha. Let's mm-hmm. name the guys that you don't have from Omaha. Tanner Burns, Bailey Horn, Matt Scheffler. And Connor Davis. Connor Davis, Edward Julian, and Will Holland. Yeah, Will Holland, yeah. So that's two pitchers. And four position guys. So you've got more than half of that coming back. And now you have a preseason All-American and Ryan Bliss, who's at, still at mm-hmm. shortstop, uh, who was at second base that year. And you still have guys from the 2018 class with us and Fitz, like Brooks Fuller, Carson Skipper, guys like that who are still, they didn't get to play a whole lot these first few years, but they're primed now that they're seasoned or ready to play this year and next year. So, And Bruce has brought in, or not Bruce, I'm sorry, Butch has brought in a bunch of young talent. And Butch has really developed these young guys into – kind of the next few years of Auburn baseball is really going to be set. So point being, I really think that Auburn's going to be a team that flies under the radar this year. Hopefully the last half of the season will look more normal than the first half. Hopefully <laughs> COVID is starting to move its way out with the vaccines and everything coming out. So um, I really do have high expectations. I'm really excited about the baseball season this year. Same here. And, you know, looking 
elsewhere, specifically at the lineup. That's where things are going to get interesting. Auburn's going to play positionless baseball this year. Absolutely. Maybe other than the outfield, where you're going to have a solidified three with Judd Ward, Casey Howell, and Stephen Williams. And I think Stephen Williams is going to get a lot of rest days because you get guys like Tyler Miller, Bryson Ware that can play in the right in right field as well. In the infield, I cannot begin to tell you who's now we, starting it. Now, we do know two positions. Rankin will be at third and Ryan at short. I can see Rankin playing a little bit at first base He this could. Year. He'll play on the corners. And then at second base, you have, it's possibly Farquhar. Farquhar, Brody Moore. Listen, Bryson Ware, he has to be in the lineup this year. Yeah. That guy is insane. Last Friday night in a scrimmage, he had a 438-foot home run. Yeah, and he's, field. he's a sophomore, so he's been here for a year. So he might even get some PT in the yeah. infield. Uh, who knows? But um, I, Auburn, that's what I'm saying is – and also, Auburn had a great freshman class this year. Another guy from the 205, Carter Frederick, came from Chelsea, mm-hmm. played against my little brother, and my little brother's like, dude, you would not believe the gas of this dude is pumping into the batter's box, pitching and pitch out. Well, that's what's interesting is that Cam Hill and Frederick are both kind of two-way players. They can both throw, and they can hit. Right. And Coach Thompson said that Cam Hill specifically, that dude, he, he can do it both ways. Yeah. He, he will do it both ways this year. Yeah. So we'll see if, if Frederick is the same way. But he'll definitely get some playing time during midweek games, and he'll be able to prove himself. Now, I'm pulling it up now. Is Nate LaRue going to be the starting catcher this year? It's him or Ryan Dial. I was about to say, I think it's him or Ryan Dial. But Nate LaRue came in as a highly touted player. He so. did, and LaRue played in a few games last year. But I think the thing is, Ryan Dial got Tommy John surgery, so we're not really sure what he looked like in game action. And in the fall, he was still throwing underhand. Right. So, we'll see what, what they have in store for us tomorrow. Yeah. Because I think Coach Thompson could go anyway with it. I mean, I think you're solidified to have the, the, the first four is going to be obvious. Judd Ward, Ryan Bliss, Stephen Williams, Franklin Woolley. Those are your first four hitters. Absolutely. After that, I could go anyway with it. I think it'll be fifth hit. Is he playing first base or is he a DHing? If he's playing DH, I think Johnny Sicoli will be playing first base, hitting six to eight. And then you'll have Garrett Farquhar or Brody Moore at second, hitting seventh or ninth or seventh or eighth, and in case of how will be in center field, batting ninth or eighth. Yeah, Auburn it's, has a lot. Auburn has of a lot of mobility within their lineup. I think. I think the biggest question right now is just the pitching, especially Jack being out. That solidified rotation plus. Who are going to be the first few guys out of the bullpen? Will it be like Carson Skipper and Brooks, like we mentioned, or will it be some of these younger guys that? Butch might see a lot more potential in that have been doing well uh, throughout fall camp and spring practice so far. So, And speaking of 205, another guy, Josh Hall from Homewood. He yeah. transferred from Ole, Ole Miss. Miss. Yeah. Had to sit out last year. Very good year to sit out. Yeah. He is a speedster. He holds the national record for stolen bases in high school. Because he's our age. He is. He, uh, he did that our senior year. Yeah, and he he's going to be one of those guys that you can plug in. So when I went to the scrimmage, when Richard pitched on Friday or Saturday, I forget which day it was, he, he scored a run pretty much by himself. Yeah. He, so Rankin Wally was on third base and played up because he can play down a button for a hit. Because he's a lefty hitter. Yeah, he is. So he hit a little dribbler past third base line, and he got a double out of it. <sighs> he stole third, and then sack fly to center field against Judd Ward, who has an insane a arm. cannon, and he has thrown out so many runners. Didn't come close. Yeah. This is going to be a guy that I think could start on rest days for Judd or Kaysen Howell, or even, or even Steven Williams, because he, he's dynamic. He could. He's, he's definitely an athlete. He's somebody to look out for, but 
where we think Auburn finishes in the SEC this year. See, I was about to say, we, we were projected to finish sixth. I say third or fourth. What about total in the SEC? Looking at the East, they're going to finish or behind seven. Florida. Six or seven. I kind of like that, too. There's a few teams that I'll say, no, they're not going to finish above them. Kentucky, Missouri being two of those teams. But, like, Vanderbilt, Florida, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Auburn's not finishing ahead of them. I'll go a little bit lower. I'll say eighth or ninth. Yeah. But we never know. They have the potential to finish top tier of the no, SEC. No, the ceiling is high. I think it's first place. Yeah. It's possible. And with Butch, you never know. Auburn made a run to the College World Series where they really didn't have a great regular season. I didn't think there was a chance of that happening. They play Presbyterian at Plainsman Park tomorrow night to start off the 2021 campaign for Butch Thompson and the Auburn Tigers. If you missed any part of the show today, you can go back and listen to it on any podcasting platform, Apple, Spotify, wherever you can find podcasts, we'll be on there. And we'll be back here next Thursday at 4 o'clock. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman signing off from the scoreboard, WGL 91.1 FM. This has been the scoreboard on 91.1 FM WEGL with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at WEGLFM.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU. Thank <laughs> you.